You're listening to the Winning Teams Podcast, presented by Jet Dental, the premier pop-up dental clinic for workplaces nationwide. Now, here's your host, Jordan Smith. Hey, everyone, and thanks for joining us on the Winning Teams Podcast. Today, we're excited to be joined by Mr. Paul L. Gunn, Jr. And Paul is the CEO of Kuag Corporation, specializing in MRO, PPE, logistics, and material program management. Kuag prides itself in having a successful alliance with the U.S. military and supports the Department of Defense. Kuag Corp made the Inc.'s 2021 list of fastest growing privately held firms at number 273. Paul's previous firm was listed as one of Inc.'s fastest growing privately held firms at number 67. He is also a USA Today and Wall Street Journal bestselling author. His new book, Succeed the Right Way, What Every Compassionate Business Person Must Know, is available for pre-order now and releases on September 21st. So, Paul, we're excited to have you on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. It means a lot. Yeah, we're excited to, to hear a little bit more about uh, your book. Congrats on that. Well, thank you. Thank you. But uh, tell us a little bit about your winning team and your role on that team. Well, th- thanks for asking me, Jordan. Yeah, I certainly feel having empathy and kindness plays a big role in that team. And leaders and leadership can come from any person on that team. And, spe- and specifically with us, that team has been inclusive of ours internally along with external partners because our team can be exceptional. But if we don't have those contributing team members on an external basis it makes it difficult for us to succeed and by that i mean when we need to get orders out the door to our military end users it is critical for us to have good supporting cast at those different vendors that can be an owner it can be somebody in the shipping department or it can be a cfo in there and all of them are making decisions either to move up an order to ship it out early or to extend those terms or hybrid those type of terms so it's not just us inside it's our entire team is inclusive of all of those including the banks and different mm. inside and outside advisors so they have all played a massive role in us being able to succeed yeah i love that i i, I love your how you view a team and your definition of a team. It's the whole supply chain, right? It's your, yep. it's your entire, uh, your, the, your vendors or your partners and your teammates. So I think that's really cool. Um, you wrote an article uh, that, that was really popular on entrepreneur. Um, it was called why selling or why empathy wins and selling doesn't. Um, and I think that what you just, how you just defined your team, it, it shows that you really mean that. Tell us a little bit more about that and how you build, how you coach your teams to to have empathy and to um, treat their you know procurement people, for instance, like like partners and like teammates. It matters. The first premise is everyone is human, and I was I was really excited to see that that was such a popular article with so many people. I received a lot of back end emails directly and on LinkedIn which was the premise for me initially writing that book. But we definitely, I definitely try and quote on, they have an impact. Just even if they think that they don't, you can make somebody's day by simply genuinely inquiring about how they're doing, what's going on. That can be doing your job and your role as best as you can. They are part of the team. A title, in my sense, 
It's simply a title because someone needs to know who to contact outside of that. But every person is a contributing team member. A vendor is just as well as important to that role as well. So when they're engaging with another person, genuinely mean and take notice to what's going on. If this is an overseas customer or vendor that you're talking with and something going on with either a religious celebration or something really serious, like for example, if COVID or the pandemic is running rampant in their situation, be mindful of that. And then temper or tackle the situation another time when what's personally going on with them is going to override the business. Now, if it's critical, that's a different story and you really can reassess. But on a general standpoint, you're really looking to just engage with that person on a human level. Consider yourself in their shoes. How would you want to be treated when you picked up the call? And maybe your tone is not the best tone. And yet somebody knows and takes notice and walks you back into having a human conversation. Though It's more on a simplistic level and, being mindful of the next person. Yeah. One thing I think that gets um, misconstrued in business, a lot of times people take kindness for weakness, right? Or they maybe try to take yep. advantage of your kindness. How do you balance that? How do you balance, um, hey, we're, we're going to treat everybody fairly and with respect, with accountability and the results that you, you want to see? How do you balance that? Well, you said you spoke right on it, accountability and the results you want to see. And one of the takes, I don't know, I, I'm, that book is really popular, Extreme Ownership. And that's one that really left a mark on me. Yeah. I see it as a, that's a very good book. I mean, I'm certain many people will agree. When I read that, I took a different view on that as those are some of the toughest guys walking around. And they're able, when they left, were able to go into corporations, have difficult conversations with people who didn't necessarily want to hear what's to be done. They were using a cognitive, from my viewpoint, now they may see it differently the way I saw it was, you have to be able to cognitively connect with the person and understand, or at least see where they're coming from, from their mindset how they're emotionally going to respond and how you say it back compassionately. And there was a few examples in there where it's as if the people who were talking to them didn't realize their background and one, what they did as if that's not the right person you would necessarily want to be having that type of conversation with yet they were able to compassionately and effectively address a result and hold them accountable. That is kindness. That takes a high self-awareness of yourself and other people. And that is a strength. People who are not strong in my mind do not have that ability to do that consistently. And they showed from my viewpoint, a consistent basis on how you go in and talk to other people and hold them accountable. And that simply comes from having a strong mental understanding of where they're coming from, but how you say it really can make the difference. Gotcha. Give me an example of your strategy with a teammate when you have to have a, a, a hard conversation. We had an employee once where they were taking over an account. And I basically like to do a hands-off, give them 
their approach and let them take on how they're going to sell or how they're going to work in building the revenue. And their first email to the buyer was kind of demanding in a strong tone. This person was genuinely a really good person trying to do the right thing. When I went back and looked at their email, I pointed out a few pointers saying you didn't address them with a good morning or good afternoon. You, and your tone was very demanding, even though how you asked in the body of the information, if I was to read that, I would look at that and overlook the things that were said in the body that were right because of how you addressed it and then how you ended it as to please, it basically was, please stop what you're doing now. I need this. And when you're finished with what I need, I need you to do it right away and then signed off. And I was later able to show them how to change that tone so that it's engaging and the person was well receiving to it. But it's, it's pointing out there's a better way to do it. What they did is okay, but here's where I would do it and how it was received. How would they like to receive something the way that that was sent? Versus telling them, hey, look, that's wrong. That doesn't seem to have always been the best result when I've done it that way. Yeah. I love that you coach them on on even something as basic as a, a better way to type the email, right? I think there's yeah. there's sometimes um, we assume people know the best way to communicate something, and and uh, we don't we miss a training opportunity with them. So I love that. Yeah, it's like sometimes you get someone who send you send an email to, they may send something back short right there. It's almost like a quick read. Okay, this person does not like to receive long emails. You may have written a standard short email. Let's say it's three four sentences long and they give you a quick response. Do you know right there you're dealing with someone who's either quick, busy or not? And then that engagement may be, well, look, is there a better time? Would you prefer a phone call? But these are the things that uh, at habit it may be common practice, but it's always, it's stuff that I've learned that may not always be the case that people know. You may have to just point it out. Yeah. Well, tell me a little bit more about the book. What what sparked you to to write the book, and um, what was your inspiration? So, I, I part of that was, like I said, the extreme ownership, seeing how they went in and had that level of leadership going in there. But as the turn of the pandemic continued to go along in twenty twenty, towards the end, I realized they needed to be kind of a digital footprint going on. So, I started to do a lot of writing between Forbes and Entrepreneur. And it, like the article we talked here, when that article on empathy wins and selling doesn't, the response that I got from that is really what drove me to say, okay, it would be worthy to write a book based on this and just see where it can go. And if it can be beneficial to a few people, this is excellent. And if they're with our children, it's something to leave to them. My father had an impact in business the way he did it, and it left it on me to continue this way in life. And I certainly want to leave that for our children. And when our son looks at that and a daughter looks at that, saying they can have success with this way of living. And I hope others that read it are able to see that as well. Very cool. Is there any nuggets you can give us from the book now? Sneak peek. <laughs> So I do talk about this concept kind of like a quiet warrior in the sense of like we were just talking about some of the military teams and that, you know, you, you don't see 
their effect until after they've gone in and done what they need to do. And I'm more talking on how kindness and empathy in business may take a little longer to show its tentacles that have been touched because people get time to see how authentic you are. But in that process, you're working on attacking the heart for a good reason. And over time, they will see it. This was a quiet process that was deliberate in leaving an impact on it. So it's quiet during that, but a war in the sense of you want to be great for being kind and making an impact for others. Yeah, I love that. Um, tell, tell me a little bit more about your, maybe your hiring process. Um, are there things that you guys do to stand out from others? Are, are, you, are you doing things that kind of show, hey, this is the, the culture we hear, have here at Kuag right, right out the gate? So some of it is, is basically on that quiet process. So I'll give you, for example, there was one time we were hiring a team member in our foreign company. And what we did was there was one who had more documented education and there was one who was soon to finish. And at that time, I gave our manual on how we do business. It was maybe 10 pages. It wasn't that long. And it was to test the character over the experience. So I gave it to HR and said, please hand both of them the manual and tell me who reads it and can give back feedback. The one with the experience basically said, it is beneath me to read it. I am not concerned with going. And the one who was finishing their education read the entire manual and pointed out reasons and why they could be a fit into how that how we work and how we can make it better. And I said, that's the person you hire. We didn't tell them. We asked a simple thing to do because in our line of work, there's stuff that a title doesn't mean anything. You just have to get the job done. So how we hire is basically on kindness and character. So it takes a little longer, but what we're looking for are the character traits that can be identified either in a resume or just in the tone and the process of hiring. A lot of that is to calm down and have them relax and then talk to the things that are important to them in life. What charities do they support? Why are they involved with what are they doing and how can coming in our company help them get to where they're going? Because we would like them to stay, but ultimately everyone has a goal and they want to achieve more in life. So this may not be their ending goal. So how can we help them get to where they need to go to next? Yeah, that's a great, great story and great example. I, I, I worked at an organization where kindness was one of our core values. And I remember in the hiring process, we would purposely leave recruits out in the lobby uh, to see how they engaged with our, our, our receptionist, um, our, our front desk assistant. She was awesome and she knew what she was doing and she would try to engage them. And if they were naturally kind, they would engage back, right? And talk. And yeah. if they were there just for a job, they would typically be pretty cold or focused on their phone or whatever they were, were doing. And, and that was one little trick we would use. We'd always ask her, hey, what did you think of that that person that came through, right? And so I love that example. You know, you want to have people who are humble and who are willing to read and, and, and give feedback immediately. That's great. Um, let's talk a little bit more uh, about trust and establishing trust in a team. We've obviously talked about one way to establish trust is to show empathy and kindness and, and to care about what they they need, your your teammates. Are there other strategies you have for developing trust with your teammates? 
So I'll give one thing. The one thing our father did with the last company we started, he said, hey, had you guys ever considered getting into government contracting? Now, he's a masterful teacher. I will say that. He never said, look, this is how you do it. He simply asked and then said, no, no, I'm going over there and look and find it. It's the way we learn, but that desire to want to learn and have it there is what drove him. When he saw that desire, then he became more of an advisor in the sense of, okay, this is what I would do at this turning point. So that's how we try and replicate. Look at the framework of where they've had experience and how if they show a natural tendency to want to lead or take initiative and then kind of give them that workload to see how much they can handle and then let them run with it. And if they falter on the side, kind of step in and just give them pointers. But in that, it's, it's get, it builds trust because the line of work the supply chain is heavily on trust. When they send an email and say they're going to follow up with somebody, are they doing it? When they're when a phone call is being expected to be made, is it being done? But more so when stuff goes wrong, because in the work, things do go wrong. Shipments don't get made. Vendors don't do always what they're supposed to. And ultimately, we're faced the end user so one of us are going to have to step in and tell the end user okay this is what's going on even though it may not be our fault we're still kind of at the helm of it back to the book extreme ownership you, you gotta be accountable for what's going on even if it's kind of out of your control yeah speaking of extreme ownership um as a leader are there things you do to get feedback from your your teammates yeah, I'll ask them. I'll just directly ask them. Look, it's an open book. Don't fit there. There is no title here. Yes, there. it's there, but we're all a team. So if you see something not right, please check it. It's open. And don't feel like you can't say anything to me. And if you see a better way presented, an idea or a better way can come from anyone. Yeah. What are common leadership mistakes that that you've seen in your lifetime and what advice do you have for other leaders who are, are trying to become better? So one I would tell you is even when I've been kind of at that bottom in terms of ranking in companies and seen it myself, when you can present an idea or a team member who's not a ranking team member presents it and you see a boss, because I call them bosses versus a leader. A leader is going to listen. So the bosses have been there to feel their title is is the all end all of the situation. So they don't want to hear what's being said. They don't want to take into account, even if the issue is correct, they override it and don't listen. So I would say the biggest one is they don't listen and hear and to make understanding as to why somebody is presenting that idea, even if they didn't think about it, and being unwilling to give accolades to the person or team that came across the idea, even if it wasn't them. Yeah, listening is is super important. Um, how do you how do you train yourself to become a better listener? <laughs> Some people is natural. Other, I would say. Breathe. If it's not natural for you, just kind of breathe in and and tune yourself to what the other person is doing. I try and use the framework when I tell other people, if you had a young child who you didn't know, who's asking you a question and really genuinely 
wants to know or tell you something about their day, then take that level of tuning your ear into what that mm-hmm. child is saying. Because if they're wanting to jump up and tell you how they've figured out how the moon and the sun work and how the earth rotates around its orbit, you're going to stop and listen, especially if you're on your phone, you're going to put it down and want to hear what's going on. So kind of envision that scenario if it's not a natural thing for you to do. That's basically how I do. I envision myself, one, trying to take a younger person in. Either they're trying to educate me on something or I'm really trying to hear what they're telling me. Gotcha. Speaking of uh, younger people, <laughs> take, take okay. me back to your 18-year-old self. If you could go back and talk to your 18-year-old self, what would you, what would you tell him? <laughs> so that, that's a bit of a weave thing. I said, at 18, I think that's when Google came out and I wanted to take my student loan money but all of that and put it into their initial IPO. So if I had to do it all <laughs> over again, I would have said I would have taken my student loan money and put it in the IPO and just wait it. But I'm pretty sure that's not something legal. So, but in, in all fairness, I think I may have delayed college and, and I'm all for college. I would have delayed college and found a way to start my business at that point and just worked night jobs or day jobs during that process and only going back take one or two of the different business classes. Now, if that's the way you want to go, I'm all for it. I'm just different. From what I learned now, I would have delayed that and just focused on continuing to build the business and would have went back later, probably in my earlier 20s or later 20s and taken college at a community college Mm. and went forward because the being in business itself has taught me more yeah. than anything that college or university would have done. Yep. I agree. I think experience is, is the best teacher. I love that. Yeah. Well, Paul, we want to give you the, the last word. Um, what is your top strategy for building a winning team? You definitely, my top one is you definitely want to listen, but you definitely want to assemble a team of no yes men. And that by no yes men is why I'm saying at the core, empathy and kindness matters. Nice is agreeable. Kindness is not. Somebody who's kind seeing you doing the wrong thing is going to, they're going to hold you accountable, like you mentioned earlier and say, look, I value our relationship as a business or as a vendor. Me personally, our team feels you are going down the wrong way and they are strong enough and have enough empathy and kindness to tell you in a compassionate way, this is the wrong. They're not going to just agree with you because you are a, you're deemed the leader. They're going to call you out, check you and hold you accountable. And that is absolutely critical. So you need you definitely need one. Someone else to tell you, look, I just don't think that's the right way, but how they do it matters. And if you can build that team who can buy in and know and fall in line with that. And I saw recently, if you looked at the article on Humble Bees, they were the number one person on the list in 2021. And, and they wrote an article about where they had their level of success. And it was being relentless in forming teams 
that if you didn't fit the character mold or the culture of the company, then they didn't really care how valuable you were. You have to fit the culture of that team. And for me, what I'm saying is if that foundation is empathy and kindness, you can go a lot far or really far with people who fall in and buy into that culture. Yeah. I absolutely agree. I think cult, culture culture matters and, and you got to make sure that you ha- surround yourself with people who love what you said. Nice is agreeable. Kindness uh, means people are willing to tell you where you're, where you're going off track and help hold you accountable. I, I think that's wonderful. Well, Paul, lastly, how can our listeners connect with you dig- digitally? So I am on LinkedIn. I, I did get on Clubhouse. I'm on Instagram and I'm trying to figure out the Twitter as well. So with <laughs> anyone... I'm pretty much on all of them and Facebook, but on the Facebook page, I think the end part is Lion of Empathy, and that is a part of what's in that book. That's something else I talk about, and it's not meant to be singular in the sense of man as a lion. It's really, I couldn't figure a better way to say all lion or the pride of empathy, so the line of empathy just sounded better, but it's essentially saying you take care of your team when leaders lead and the team is there to be part of that leadership. So it's really the foundation and the culture of empathy, but that's where you'll find me on the LinkedIn page. I mean, the Facebook page is line of empathy. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Paul, for joining us and best of luck with to you as you build your winning team. All right. Thanks. Sean.